this is helping other people understand that you don't have to be busy all the time to be quote unquote successful. Looks like you've officially entered the group chat with your best friends. My name is Ali Paducci, and this is the Unfiltered Podcast, the place where we leave the heavily filtered world of social media to talk about anything and everything uncensored. From personal wellness to entrepreneurship, spirituality, sex, surviving breakups, and hilarious stories in between, join me as I navigate adulthood with real, unfiltered conversations. Happy Friday, friends, and welcome back to another episode of Unfiltered with Allie. My name is Allie Pintucci, and today I am very, very excited to have one of my girlfriends on the show, and I'm going to take the next couple of minutes to not only brag about her, but I'm also going to be giving you the rundown of what we're going to be talking to about today. I don't even know where to start with Sunny Leonard Doozy. Entrepreneur said she's one of the top 10 channels that every entrepreneur should watch. Forbes said that she's one of the top 20 YouTube channels that will change your business. Sunny knows how to create content that works for your business. She has worked with thousands of entrepreneurs with their signature training programs like YouTube for Bosses and the Authority Accelerator, and it's her passion to create success by empowering others to share their message and create impact on a bigger scale using the power of online video. Today, her own YouTube channel has amassed over 20 million views and she's enrolled over 8,000 clients into her program from all over the world. She's taken her business from zero to eight figures a year in just four short years And this powerhouse has had the privilege of speaking at NATO's headquarters in Brussels, Social Media Marketing World, Traffic and Conversion Summit, Creative Live, and many more stages in between. Today, she's hanging out with me on the Unfiltered Podcast, and we're diving into a lot. We're going to be talking about hustle culture, the hard truth about overnight success, And we're going to be touching on burnout. We're also, of course, going to be talking about YouTube and how you can use YouTube to grow your business, how you can monetize your audience, and how you can leverage your experience to turn it into a lesson. We're also going to get a bit personal. We're going to talk about what it's like being a woman, how our clocks don't function the same way that men do, and we're obviously going to touch on some dating as well. So this is a jam-packed hour. I'm so excited to share this with you. I'm so excited for you guys to learn a bit more about Sunny. I'm very confident you're going to learn a lot from her. And like every week, I leave all of the ways that you can connect with both myself and my guests. So if you're looking to connect with either me or Sunny, um, head over to the show notes and you'll find all of the links to send us a message on Instagram. So let's get the show on the road. I watched your video last night. I was like in bed, like crying when you were crying. I was like... (laughs) (laughs) it's a very weird thing that 60,000 people have not watched that video I did not know what was gonna happen with it yeah but I think that the good thing about your that conversation is and I'm gonna I want to talk about it today is like there's two (laughs) there's like one main side to like being an entrepreneur that the internet tells you you have to be and it's just fucking people right up (laughs) oh it's fucking them up real hard yeah yeah totally Totally. And I'm here to break it. Yeah. And I love that. So why don't we just start with that story? I mean, why don't you actually give people a, so you guys are tuning in right now. You don't, you haven't watched the YouTube video that Sunny and I are talking about, but Sunny has this amazing 40 minute YouTube video of her sitting in her bedroom and she just lays it out on the table from like when she's a kid to what she had to, you know, just like limiting beliefs that you had to power through and ones that smacked you hard, put you through the ringer. Mm -hmm. And then you talk about burnout, but at the same time, you're this, like, you are that successful boss that everyone sees. So it doesn't feel like that, like a lot of the time, but (laughs) you've had that conversation. You're like on Instagram, it looks great. Yeah. Instagram (laughs) is perfect. Um, But yeah, why don't you give us the Coles notes and then also I will link the video that you, so you guys know what I'm talking about, but give us, give us your story. Yeah. I mean, so I think the basic gist of my story really is I, I think I, I, fell into the trap that a lot of women particularly fall into 
Um, and I think it was accentuated by the time that I grew up in and that I work in now because this was, you know, 20 years ago, I wouldn't be doing what I do for a living because it didn't even exist. But um, I do have this business that centers around my name and my face. And um, it's a weird thing. And it exacerbates some issues that you may have had that you didn't even know you had in the past. And for me, a lot of it stems from just this idea of perfection. And um, needing to be perfect all the time and needing to show up perfectly in order to be worthy and to feel worthy of success or attention or whatever it may be. Um, and that's really stemmed from when I was a little girl. And I think it's a lot of the conditioning that, that women are taught from a very young age. Um, and a lot of the conditioning that men are taught from a young age as well, but about needing to act a certain way, look a certain way, um, speak a certain way and mm -hmm. show up a certain way in order to be considered worthy or deemed acceptable or presentable or likable. Um, and anything outside of that mold is not exactly welcomed. Um, and so the most like physical representation of it for me was my hair. Um, when I was a little kid, my hair was huge and it was so curly <laughs> and like so massive and such a statement. And I loved it when I was a little girl, I was like, this is so cool. I don't look like any of the other like friends I have. Um, and then as I got older and I got into high school, it was like cake on the makeup because I had horrible acne, straightened my hair, um, fit in make sure you look like everybody else because what you are is not good enough. Mm -hmm. um, and when your baseline is that, uh, it leads to so many things. And for me, it manifested in relationships and choosing partners that were not healthy for me at all and didn't see the value in me because I didn't see it in myself. Um, and then in work, it led to me constantly feeling like I had something to prove and like I had to be better and better and better. And it was so toxic that it got to a point where I basically feel like I went on robot mode. And I say that all the time, Straight which is like autopilot, complete autopilot, tuned out of my body, did whatever I needed to do to get shit done. And that led me to a massive burnout uh, three years ago where I ended up in the hospital. And it really was my biggest wake up call because I had gone through a trauma, which I talk about in detail in the video. <laughs> um, and I went through a trauma um, in a past relationship that really shook me to my core. Um, and basically I used work after that as like revenge success. And I think everybody on the planet can relate to that. Honestly, when you were talking about revenge success, I was like, holy shit, like <laughs> your thing. And my thing was three years ago too. I was yeah. like, oh yeah, watch this. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, oh, watch me. Motherfucker. Famous um, last words. Yeah. So, and that honestly was to like anybody who ever doubted me. Like totally. I had, I had like teachers in high school who were like, you don't, you can't write, like you're never going to be a journalist, blah, blah, blah. So it was just like constant steps of like, F you, I'm going to do exactly what I want to do. I'm going to do it my way. And I'm going to be the most successful at it. I'm going to be the best. And, um, that was great because professionally my career went like this, but internally and personally, I was struggling. I was riddled with anxiety. I didn't even know what anxiety was until I had burnout. I actually didn't even know what it was. I'd heard that's just all you it. knew. That's all, like yeah. To be. yeah. Yeah. I just constantly operated at a level of always <laughs> being stressed um, yeah. without even really knowing it. And I've learned so much in like the journey from having that burnout and doing therapy and doing all of these different things to really identify like, where is that deep rooted need come from? And it comes from that little girl in me who's like so scared that if she isn't perfect, she's not going to feel loved. Um, and there's just a lot of toxic conditioning out there for women to like, you know, be nice and be quiet and behave and be perfect. And that's how you're going to be loved. But when you do that to women for so long, and I was behaving that way for so long in my life, I completely tuned out of who I was and what made me, me and what I could bring to the table just as a person and a human, not as like this entrepreneur, this boss, this like crash it, that's it, that's it. Like, and it, it ended up with me being in the, being in the hospital. I've just learned a lot about 
how deep rooted that desire is. And it doesn't go away. Like that competitive nature and that need to like be perfect all the time, it's still within me and it's a blessing and a curse. And I've learned to embrace (laughs) and accept both the light and the dark of it. Um, But I'm at a place now and I just got um, this feedback from one of my clients. She was like, I feel really tired. You know, I'm transitioning from having a brick and mortar business and like I'm helping her bring, bring her business online. And she's just like, last week I really felt exhausted and I was sitting there and all I can think about was you. And I thought to myself, Sunny's successful, but she also rests. And I was like, that right there is why I do what I do. Like Mm -hmm. my mission after I went through burnout was to create a business model that worked for you, not against you. And to really disrupt entrepreneurship and create a new way of, of being an entrepreneur, because I think so much of what we hear is this like very, toxic hustle dialogue of work, 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 be working all the time, hustle, hustle, hustle. That's the only way you're worthy. And it's just like half the fucking people, like, I'm sorry to say this and someone's going to get pissed off me saying this, but like, we don't care. First of all, I don't care. (laughs) Literally do not care. This Um, is our show. (laughs) Second of all, what I wanted to say is that what, what I notice with people who it's kind of like those who know the least speak the loudest. It's like the people who talk about how hard they hustle generally have nothing to show for it. And I've been in this game long enough that I've seen that so many times that I'm just like, why are you, why are you shouting about how much you're hustling when you like don't have any results of what you're doing? I'm just confused. So they're the same people that will like announce their exit out of the room unfollowed. They're like, (laughs) okay, that's chill. Didn't care. Bye. (laughs) Exactly. So you're just like, all right. And I just think it's, it's destroying people. And like people, I think people can, it can be made light of, and you're like making fun of the people who like promote this culture. And I have a lot of respect for the people who like are the big proponents for, Mm -hmm. you know, hustle culture, et cetera. But in a lot of ways, I'm like, you have to check yourself and, and realize that what works for you does not work for everybody. And, um, I think for women particularly, or anybody who identifies as a woman, there is such a balance of masculine masculinity and femininity in every single person. But mm-hmm. I think for me, I tuned out of any feminine aspect of who I was for so long. And it was almost like a survival mechanism for me. Yeah. Um, and I was like, I have to just lean into the masculine and just work, 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 work and do my best, do my best, do my best. But my superpower, and this is so counterintuitive, my superpower and what I know now is the more that I listen to my body and give it what it needs, whether that's rest, or maybe I do want to have a day where I go really hard in the gym and I'm like really on it with work. I have to have an ebb and flow. We are not robots. Our bodies work entirely different. Like this is a whole other can of worms, but our bodies operate on the infradian rhythm. We don't operate solely on the circadian rhythm. And for men, they could do the same thing at the same time every day and be totally fine. Whereas for women or for anybody who has a period, they, they need to operate in more of a flow of like every week is a little bit different and every Mm -hmm. week you have different needs. And why are we not learning this when we're young women? And if you go down the rabbit hole of what all the things that I've been diving into, there's an amazing book, Elisa Vitti, highly recommended. I know you've read it as well called in the flow. I was just going to say, I'm like, I'm trying, I'm like, I talk about it on almost every episode, but then I'm like, fuck it. Cause you know what? We should, we have to, it should be a textbook (laughs) for anybody who gets a period from very young age. Um, because when you don't know this, you abandon yourself and your body. And it's not just like, oh, I went on robot mode and autopilot mode. It's like, no, I was so tuned out of my body and my intuition because I wasn't tuned into anything that was going on internally with me that I got into a crap relationship. I was vulnerable to making really terrible decisions. I worked myself into the ground because I was trying to prove my worth and I was trying to keep up with a rhythm that isn't my own. Like there are so many problems with it. And I do believe it really all comes down to keeping women suppressed and keeping anybody who gets a period suppressed and not able to reach their full potential because the world operates on a male identity identifying cycle. I just got mm-hmm. real deep with that, but that's, that's okay. That's, I'm like getting fired up. I'm like, yeah, this is the way we're going. <laughs> like, this is what we're talking about. <laughs> but I do think it's really imp- like, I hand that book out like it's Gold. I hand it to every single person I know, male, female, non-binary, read the book. Because it's crazy because when I'm a I'm an audio booker. 
audiobooker. I don't mm-hmm. know if that's a word, but now it is. I I like to just shut my eyes and like really listen. It's not a hard listen. And it's the weirdest thing because whether you f- think you're dealing with hormonal issues or not, there's a 99% chance that you are. <laughs> 100%. I never thought I had hormonal issues. Oh, yeah. At but all. it's like everything comes from like our gut and our hormones. So you're just like, she's talking to me. I'm, I'm literally like three minutes into the book and I'm driving to Whistler. My jaw's on yep. the floor and I'm like, is this my story or is this my story? And it wasn't until I got diagnosed with PCOS where now I actually know what I'm looking for to try and find solutions. But I was just like, how wild is it that we are literally told this is how we have to live our lives? That it's so, you that just, you're just crazy. You're that crazy. You're nuts. Women and, are crazy. Yeah. And it's just like birth control and Accutane, it gets passed out like fucking candy. Mm-hmm. I waited. To, I'm almost at the two and a half year mark. I finally, finally caved to going on Accutane. But I swear to God, I tried. That was like my last resort. I tried like everything in the book, but it's wild because after specialist, after specialist to doctor to doctor, they're like, oh yeah, why don't you just like lose some weight and like take birth control? And I'm like, I'm gaining weight because I can't fix my PCOS and birth control makes me like gain more weight and crazier. And I mentally can't handle that right now. (laughs) I mean, the things that we don't know and that we aren't taught I don't think it's an accident. And I think it's really important to educate yourself on your own body. Isn't and that's the part that really hit me in the face. I'm like, I read the book when I was 32, and I'm like, okay. Oh, if yeah. I was armed with this information when I was 13, my life would be completely different. And that's oh, not yeah. an over-exaggeration. If yeah. I actually knew how my body operated, and that's the the wild thing to me. I'm like, it's our bodies and we don't even know how they operate. Oh, and yeah. everybody like gets uncomfortable when you talk about periods. It's like, come on, like there's yeah. no problem with that. And and they're honestly, your hormones really are a superpower when you know how to tune into them and when you know how to manage them for yourself. Yeah. The one thing that literally rings in my ears from that book is when she, at the beginning, when she was like, basically you're taught from the time you're 10 that you're going to bleed once a month and it's going to be the bane of your existence. And I'm like, that is so accurate. It is painful. You're just like, I remember it was still called like a curse when I was being talked about. And and I was like, so I get a curse once a month. Like that doesn't (laughs) sound nice. And okay. So it's really when you start to hate your body, because you're like, Oh, I have to get this thing once a month. Instead of being like, what a blessing, what a gift that I have this once a month. And that I am able to go through this once a month. Um, so yeah, it's it's some deep rooted stuff. But like, long story short, for me and my story, <laughs> like dial that it's one been back. like, yeah, it's been like, no, I mean, I dive into it more, but I, I'm not an expert. So I always go to Elisa. I'm like, Elisa's like, I really just appreciate all your support. I'm like, I know I'm crazy, but I just keep sending everyone to you. Um, but I think for me, the the long and the short of why I shared my story and it was the scariest thing I've ever done in my entire life. And um, I've been making content for five years now publicly. Um, I, that was never really my end game. I didn't really want to be like an influencer. I was always an entrepreneur. Um, and I sort of fell backwards into YouTube and now it's grown into this big thing. But this year, I think I've seen so many times now where it's not the people that we put on the pedestals that are like the heroes. It's the everyday people who are overcoming challenges and have stories to tell. And I think we we Mm -hmm. lack so much empathy right now. And I knew that by sharing my story, it would empower others to show up 100% as as themselves as well. And it would sort of start to chip away at a big problem of perfection and people feeling the need that in order to show up online or in their relationships in real life, they have to be perfect when in reality, nobody's perfect. And so I shared that story from a place of wanting to almost like give that gift to my younger self to be like, you don't have to be perfect to be successful, Yeah. but also to anyone who follows me or has watched it and is like, oh, she's got her shit too. Okay. Interesting. And she That's has the a thing. story too. Yeah. I was talking about it with, um, on another episode with Alyssa Coleman, we were talking about entrepreneurship a little bit and a lot on productivity, but running a business, being an entrepreneur, it's not cookie cutter. 
And the internet has this nasty way of just making it seem like unless you do it, A, B, C, D, E, it's not going to happen for you. As an entrepreneur, of course you have to hustle. Of course it's a grind. It's a whole other beast. It really, really is. So it's not like, oh, it's a walk in the park. It definitely is those things. But at the same time, you have to figure out what works for you. And that's, for me, it's not the 4.30 wake-ups. No. It's not the filling my calendar until I can't, it hurts to blink. Those things did not work for me because I'm also a creative who thrives off of space, energy, and inspiration. When I'm burnt out or when I'm exhausted, I sit there and I feel like I have to grind harder or hustle harder because I don't feel a creative flow. But all that was doing for me was blocking my creative flow instead of just giving my t- like myself the space to be like, okay, what do I need as a human in order to make me successful? Absolutely. And that's, that's not an easy or short <laughs> question or like process to figure out. <laughs> well, and I think I think the biggest thing is understanding that success is so individual. Mm -hmm. It's so personalized. And my version of success is probably different than your version of success. And you have to define it for yourself. And I think probably one of the biggest lessons that I've had in growing my business and now also helping so many other people start their businesses is that your niche and the category that you're going to work in and the thing you ultimately want to sell never, it never comes externally. But in the way that we live now, we think that, oh, well, if that person did that business and it worked really well for them, I'm going to do that too. But there's a big reason why a business works for one person. And then the same business can start up by somebody else and it won't work is because it's not intrinsically a part of what you actually have experience in and can be the best of the best at. And it has to meet up with really three factors of like, is it aligned with your own story and your own experience that you've been through? And a prime example of that is if I hadn't gone through that massive burnout, I never would have created a methodology to help people build businesses in an efficient, non-hustle way. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's exactly what I do and, and how I help people now. So that's part of my story. And then it has to match up with, is there a need in the marketplace? And then finally is like, is there a need from actual real human beings? Have you tested this against real human beings? And it all stems and starts from within you. There's no looking at somebody else and what somebody else has done and being like, I'm going to follow that exact model. You can look at it as inspiration, but you're not going to follow the exact model and see the same results as that person. That's why I think the internet's a blessing and a curse. Like when we get wrapped up in comparison, it's just like, oh, well, I guess I need to do that. And it's like, you literally don't know what that person's doing. You think you do. You're taking like, you're comparing yourself to a snapshot, like the smallest thing. It's also why I hate the influencer marketing industry, but we're not going to go. <laughs> this episode's about no, you. <laughs> we, no, I love it. We've had this conversation <laughs> before because again, I think it's a blessing and a curse. And I think the unfortunate part about the influencer marketing world is that it's made to look a lot easier than it is. Like I have a lot of friends who are influencers and that is not an easy job. You are managing so many different things. You are basically like your own team as one person because your your content creation, your PR, you're managing your calendar, your own executive assistant, like you're all of the things um, for this one role in this one job. It's not an easy job. And I think it's made to look a lot easier than it is. And it's made to look like it happens overnight and it doesn't happen yeah. overnight and that it just should come if you post beautiful photos online. And like, unfortunately, companies are buying into that BS too. And I'm watching people with no rights in promoting products, promoting all of the things just to call themselves an influencer. And that's irresponsible as well, because I'm like, you don't freaking use that. You just want to, you just want to look like you're cool. So don't tell other people to use it. So I just think there's a lot of misalignment, but that also comes from this sort of similar thing that we're talking about, which is like trying to attain something that is outside of yourself and being so caught up with trying to be on the hamster wheel of achieving that success that you tune out of who you are Mm -hmm. and how you want to show up in the world. And then Mm -hmm. one day you wake up and you're like, what the hell? I.E. remember that woman, um, who like promoted a bathing suit line or something. I don't know. She was a big influencer. And then she all of a sudden was like, I'm quitting. This industry is messed up. There was like all these news stories on her and whatever. 
And she was a perfect example of it. She had made a lot of money. She had a huge following, but she wasn't happy. And she was like, I was promoting things I didn't believe in. And that's an example of you getting on this hamster wheel of tuning out of yourself and doing things just because you think you should be doing them as opposed to doing them because they're aligned with you. And the really dangerous thing is she has a big audience. So everything she was doing, she was influencing other people to do the same. And that's like the vicious cycle that happens because everyone's so hungry for the fame and the vanity metrics of it. That's the thing. It's like you get targeted with ads of, oh, be an influencer, like how to travel the world for free. And it's like, uh, the creative in me, just my blood is boiling. Cause like I get targeted with those ads and it, you guys have probably heard me say this a million times before. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be an influencer. I hate that word, an influencer, <laughs> but why do you want to be an influencer? Yeah. Do you want to be famous? Do you want free shit? A lot of people just want the free thing. Here's the issue with that. It's not free. No, there is a huge and cost to it. There it's is your a time. huge cost to it. It's your time. It's the fact that you're now not only giving advertising space to a brand, but there is a 99% chance that people that go in with that mentality have zero understanding of how the creative industry works. So you sign a contract, all of a sudden that photo is on a billboard. It's on a website. Yeah. It's on an advertisement. And now brands are going to people like you because they don't have to pay professionals to do photo shoots, to do video shoots, to hire stylists, to do like hire models who all have licensing fees, usage fees, contracts. Yeah. And this influencer marketing thing just destroys an entire creative industry. Yeah, it does. It's, and it's, it's dangerous to both sides, both sides. Yeah. And I think you always, and this is, I feel like an old person saying this, but I, I think the focus for me has really been about legacy. And I always go back and ask myself, am I going to be proud of this as like the 90 year old woman looking back? Am I going to be proud of what I'm doing here? And when you put things in that perspective, it makes you change your decisions and change yeah. your choices really quickly because what might be good for you immediately and will give you instant gratification isn't necessarily something you're going to be proud of 10 years from now. Totally. I'm already seeing it. We see that with Facebook. Go back into your Facebook pictures. You're like, oh yeah. my God. Yeah. Where else is this stored? Can I delete my entire life? I wish, like, <laughs> I'm so happy that we didn't have social media when we were in high school. Thank God. Yeah. I think I got Facebook when I was in grade 12. I got it when I was first year of, of yeah. uh, university. Yeah. It's wild. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. We went off. Let's go back. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go back because we need to actually talk about, I want to talk about YouTube. Sure. You are undoubtedly the queen of YouTube. <laughs> Thank you. Do other people say that about you or is it just me? I call no, you that there's all the other time. people who okay. said that before too, but there's, there's a lot of people who are really good at YouTube, but yes, I've yeah. been doing it for a hot minute and I've helped a lot of people. Build Perfect. Yeah. So you're my queen of YouTube. Um, so you also need to know, like we'll go on dog walks, like Sunny and I will go on dog walks or we'll talk and she'll always be like, so when are you doing my course? And I'm like, yeah, eh. it's not that I don't want to do it. I'm actually afraid of work. <laughs> That's my God honest truth. I'm like, if I do this, I have to do some extra work. Honestly, and I don't know. I'm not mad it. at that. I think being lazy is actually a really good thing <laughs> as being an entrepreneur. Cause it makes you only do the things that you need to do and you don't become yeah. a busy body. So I'm not mad at that. Yeah. So like, I'm, you actually will be proud. I figured out what my course is going to be. Amazing. So I'm on the path to it. But anyways, you are the queen of YouTube. Yes. I want to know, when I listened to your story, you talked about doing social media reporting for a company in Edmonton, yes. and now you've blown up. And I've watched your career transition. I think at even at one point, I tried to work with you like way back. Really? Yeah. Oh my gosh, I don't remember like, that at all. When you had your be your own boss line. Really? Yeah. You were looking to hire someone for social, but you wanted someone full-time. And I think that's how I first connected that's hilarious. with you. So funny. But um, I've watched your brand transition. And what I've always appreciated about you is that social media is ever-changing. Five years ago, it wasn't really a thing. And neither was really influencing. It was just kind of like maybe starting. And you've been so transparent of trying different methods and 
talking to your audience about what works for you and what didn't work for you. And as you're growing your business, you're in that time, in that moment, sharing with people successful ways. It's like you were always sharing helpful and important knowledge. So what even made you get into YouTube? It was a complete accident. Um, and it, it wasn't meant to turn out the way that it has, but I, I actually recently made a video on my YouTube channel. It was called, I failed my way to $10 million because we just crossed, <laughs> crossed that, that revenue mark in my business, um, in just under four years, which is insane. But my entire entrepreneurship journey started 10 years ago and I tried a lot of different things and I never thought I was going to be an entrepreneur, but it all started when I was a journalist and um, that's what I thought I wanted to do for the rest of my life. I wanted to be like the six o'clock news anchor. And then I got into it. I got a job. I worked in radio. I worked in TV. My big goal. You was got to- a great radio voice, by the way. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, and I, I started working in all these different facets and then my big goal is to work at the Olympics. I, I worked at the Olympics, but when I was there, I was like, Oh, I don't know if this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. And it just felt really unfulfilling. It wasn't what I had imagined. I had always imagined being able to like help people and um, inspire people and tell the stories I wanted to tell. And it was like, go here, say this, wear this. And I was like, well, that's not for me. So being totally naive and very impatient, um, as I was driving home from the Olympics, I decided to start my first business with zero idea of what I was doing. And it was an online magazine and it was written for men by women. (laughs) And it was actually hilarious. And we built a pretty good little audience around it. But I did the whole thing entirely organically on social media. And at the time, Instagram was not around. It was just Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. So I started trying to figure those platforms out and it it worked. And um, I didn't make a lot of money with that by any means, but it taught me everything I needed to know about building an audience. From there, all these companies wanted to hire me. So I started consulting And I did that for about four years, completely behind the scenes. I had no desire to be a brand. I had no desire to be an influencer. That wasn't even a thing. And then it got to the point where I had so many clients, and I know you can relate to this, uh, that I couldn't take on more clients. Um, And I also was just feeling really tired (laughs) all the time. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, how do I get out of going to all these meetings and having to meet with these people individually? And so- Record them. Yes. So basically <laughs> all my clients would have the same question. So at the time, the big questions that the question that everyone was asking me about was about how to use live streaming and in their businesses. So I make a YouTube video, think nothing of it. I filmed it in my apartment with um, a window, a webcam and oh, webcam. Yeah. Same webcam I still have today. <laughs> and a stack of books was my tripod and I put my computer on top of it and I filmed this video. And I, the only thing I thought about the whole time was like, how can I explain this so clearly to my clients that they're not gonna have to ask me follow-up questions? So I explained it so thoroughly. I had no subscribers on the channel really. I had like a handful and old family videos. I put the video up. I send it to a few of my clients to answer the question. And then I wake up the next day and it's got like a couple of thousand views on the video. So confusing. So then I'm like, what happened? How did this happen? So I reverse engineered it and I was like, okay, well, this is a topic that's trending right now because the Periscope app had just come out about live streaming and people were searching for it. And I was the only person who had made a video on it. So I was like, okay, that's three factors to how this did so well. I wonder what would happen if I did this for a year and just made a video a year. No plan, just experimented. Make a video a year, a, a video a week for a year and end up growing to 50,000 subscribers and 3 million viewers in that time period. And everything changed. Um, within two months of doing my first video, I got a message on LinkedIn from the head of social media of NATO. They invited me to speak Whoa. in Brussels to NASA, the CIA, the FBI, the government of Canada. Um, it was insane. And so I flew to Brussels. It was like one of my first speaking engagements. I'm sitting in this room, like I'm going to throw up. And it was where I cut my teeth. I started to learn really what it was to be an entrepreneur and one who was actually seeing success. And so then I did that for um, the year and there was so much demand to work with me that my plan backfired because it created more work for me, not less. And I realized that I couldn't help all the people that were reaching out to me and I couldn't help everybody that was watching my videos. 
So how could I package my experience and my expertise into something where people could learn it for themselves and implement for themselves? Because um, the one-on-one -on -one work with just wasn't doable anymore at that scale. So then I created my first online course and that's really like the rest is history. Um, so over the last um, almost four years, now we're coming up to the four year anniversary of YouTube for Bosses, I have just basically scaled my experience and my knowledge and packaged it into online courses. And I leverage YouTube as a vehicle to drive traffic to those online programs and also to show up as somebody who has been an entrepreneur for a while now and wants to be honest about the experience. So I share stories, I share myself, I share my experiences and I share helpful and valuable information. That's so wild. It's so wild. And I think it's such a, a cool story to either have people here for the first uh, first time or just remind people that might know your story like this isn't overnight success is such a it's not real no <laughs> if there's nothing real about it if you think about it logically like no anybody who's done anything and seen success at it maybe that one thing that they saw success at happened fairly quickly mm -hmm. but there's like 18 years of work and experience that needed to lead up to hitting that mark. And I think it's really important to understand anybody that you look at who is at a place where they're like so successful and they're getting all these accolades. It's taken time to get there. I love that. So you build your business, you go through your shit in your relationship and now you're in the hospital. You're like, yeah. 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 I remember seeing that picture and I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. And it was, I still carry shame about it. And I know on a logical level, I shouldn't, but it it's just part of that like deep rooted need to be perfect. And I'm like, well, that was the opposite of perfect. And I, I was really embarrassed about it for a while, but I also know now that it's part of my story and it's part of why I'm really good at what I do and helping new entrepreneurs build their businesses because I can empathize and I want to make sure mm -hmm. that they have the fastest track to get there. Um, but yeah, I, I ended up in the hospital. It was the strangest thing. And I think this is a really great lesson. I've been working so hard for so long and I had been running my business pretty much solo for like quite a while, like years. And at this point I had just brought on team members it was the first time I was able to actually take a vacation in like years. And so I said, I'm going to take a staycation. I'm going to stick around Vancouver. It was in the summertime. It was in August. And I'm just going to relax for the next two weeks. So the first week goes by, all's good. Second week um, goes by, all's good. And if somebody had called me the day that this all happened, I would have been like, I've had a great day. I went to the beach. I like went for a bike ride. I feel great. And I was living on my own and um, I was dating my now husband and uh, he, we've said goodnight. He went to sleep. I tried to go to sleep and I'm a really good sleeper. And so that's when I started to notice something was wrong because I couldn't sleep. And my mind was going a mile a minute and it was like diving deep into stuff that had happened to me like a long, long time ago mm -hmm. and just some really dark memories and thoughts and things that I guess I had been suppressing for a very long time. And it sort of just bubbled up because, and I think this was the lesson for me, when you get quiet after being so busy and hectic for so long, it's there. all of that stuff's <laughs> coming up. You haven't hidden it. It's not disappeared. It's just mm -hmm. waiting for the moment to creep up on you. Um, and so I'm lying in bed. My heart is racing. My mind is racing and I'm starting to get panicky. And it was like, so meta. I'm like lying in bed, Googling, like what to do during a panic attack. Cause that's what I thought was happening. I had no idea. I never had one before. And I'm pacing my apartment. I'm trying to move my body. And I did have a heart condition. I had a heart surgery when I was 18. So then when my heart really started to race, I was like, okay, this is probably like bordering on a little bit dangerous. Um, and if anybody's experienced an anxiety attack or a panic attack before, you know, the feeling it feels like you're going to die. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I phoned my mom, God bless moms. It was like three in the morning and somehow she picked up her phone and I was like, I think I'm having a panic attack. I'm fine. I just need to talk to somebody. So she said, you know, I'm just going to come over there. And she comes over and my mom is very tough and very strong. And so I'm expecting her to walk up and sort of like 
laugh it off with me and be like, you're fine. Just like, let's just talk. And then you'll go to sleep. She comes up and I can tell on her face right away. She's trying to be like stoic, but she's actually terrified. And (laughs) I caught a glimpse of myself in the mirror and I had gone completely like white green. Um, and I was clammy and I just, my eyes were like sunken in and like super dark. And she's like, I think we should maybe just call the ambulance just in case. And so I lie down on the couch, the ambulance comes again. I'm expecting them to be like, you're fine. It's all good. We're going to just check your vitals and we're going to leave. They come in and they hand me two baby aspirin and they're like, you're having all the symptoms of a stroke. We need to get you to the hospital immediately. So they get me to the hospital, they rush me in. And this was the real like low point for me. I go to the hospital and I walk in and it's the halls are riddled with people who are overdosing and there's drug addicts and there's people who are in a lot worse positions than I am. And here I am walking in and they're rushing me forward and they put me in to do like a scan and an EKG of my heart and everything is fine. But they were like, you, they gave me the aspirin. They made me take them. And they were like, you, you appear to be having a stroke. So they do all the tests. They literally did every test under the sun. And they're like, it was just a severe panic attack. And that's when I was just like, how does that happen? And you feel so out of control. Cause you're like, I'm a upstanding, responsible, calm citizen. Mm-hmm. Like, how does this happen to me? And I feel like I'm doing all the right things. And I feel like I'm taking care of myself because I was working out every day and I was having the green smoothie and I was eating the quinoa and I was doing all the things like, (laughs) then I later learned that all that really was just sort of like, does it matter? It's like coping mechanisms. Yeah. They're like high level coping mechanisms, but I hadn't really dealt with like the shit and the stuff that I had buried for a long time by just being busy. So my commitment after that. And I haven't had a panic attack since. And I'm, I'm amazed because it was very scary for me. And I was like, okay, this I'm going to live with this for the rest of my life. And I just went head first into really figuring out how I got there mm-hmm. and why I got there. What was it about me? What was it about my experience in the past? What was it that I didn't deal with? And I started dealing with all of it and it was really hard And it brought up a lot of stuff that I didn't want to talk about and didn't want to deal with. Um, But it also gave me the best sense of self-awareness that I could ask for because I now know how I tick and I know how I work and I know how I'm triggered. And I also very much so, and this took years to learn for me, but I very much so know my red flags now. Like I know there's little things that I will do or stop doing when I'm teetering on the edge of burnout or being unhealthy in my habits of like working, being productive, mm-hmm. etc. That's so good. I, I think this is such an important, I don't know if you're expecting to talk about this on the podcast today. I feel like even I came into it and I'm like, let's talk to people about how they're just going to grow their business and make some money. But yeah. I think stories like this are a lot more impactful because yeah. you have, you single hand, like you you've humanized an entire experience because it's not easy to do and it's not overnight and it's going to take a lot of work, but it's also going to take probably more work on yourself to be successful than it is going to be on like your business. You're going to fail a lot. You're going to be faced with a lot of limiting beliefs. You're going to question a lot of things. You're, it's going to, it's, it's a lot on your brain and your body. Yeah. And I think we're social media and the internet is like a lot of people talk about it as being this nasty place where it's this gross comparison tool and it makes you feel like shit. And yes, all of those things are true, but at the same time, you have access to like anything you could possibly want to learn about. Yeah. And I think the thing for me that I've realized with social media is I'm like, just, you have to, you have to know how to use it Mm -hmm. and not use you. Mm -hmm. And uh, people thought I was crazy, but I, I am followed absolutely everybody in my life. Like I went down to zero and I wasn't following anyone for a long time. And some people got really offended and even friends were like, why did you do that? And I had to, for my mental health, I had to clear the, clear the space. 
And I didn't want to see anything because I didn't want to be influenced in what I was creating and putting out into the world and what I was working on that was really important to me. And I do think that that's very healthy. And I think you have to figure out what works best for you. I used to post almost every day on Instagram. I freaking barely post at this point. Um, I only post when it's really important. I don't feel like contributing to the noise. I feel like only sharing things that are really vitally important and mean something to me. And that's how it works for me. Everybody's different. But I am not somebody who wants to be on social media a lot. I'm not somebody who loves to be involved in technology all the time. I like nature. I like peace. The I irony. like my space. The irony is wild. <laughs> the irony is wild. But I'm also like, maybe this is the path I'm. I that's right for me. And this is helping other people understand that you don't have to be busy all the time to be quote unquote successful. Mm-hmm. Um, and the less busy I've gotten, the more my business has grown. That's the really interesting part. And if somebody had told me that four years ago, I'd been like, okay, like that's not yeah, how it But works. now you're intentional. Like yeah. you're figuring out what, what am I going to do that actually is actually going to have a positive impact to take me to where I want to be instead of feeling like you have to do a million things. Well, and I think also by nature, anybody who is crazy enough to want to be an entrepreneur or start their own business by nature, entrepreneurs are problem solvers. We solve problems. We help fix Mm -hmm. things. We help create solutions. And so it's a really weird thing. And I've seen this happen now with so many of my clients, like they'll get to a certain point where they are beyond their wildest dreams. They now have million dollar companies and they're like, I think I want to start something new. And it's just (laughs) a really funny thing to me because I'm like, you want to start something new. Cause I did this. Like you want to start something new because you want a new challenge. You want a new problem to solve. Instead of just focusing on the thing that you've created that's really good and just making that better and better and allowing yourself to enjoy your life. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's innate in us to want to just be busy and to be solving problems all the time. But the most successful entrepreneurs in the world generally are the most balanced people you'll meet. They know themselves. They're so self-aware. I don't think there is a better practice in self-awareness than trying to grow a business. <laughs> Oh, it is. it's the biggest, heaviest mirror in the world. Well, it's like, <laughs> it will shine a light on everything that you struggle with and that you, it, it, it displays your strengths and your weaknesses and real fast. Yeah. And I was listening actually to, to Mark Cuban interview recently. And he was like, I've always said that when people become successful or when they have a successful business, they just become more of themselves. So if you are a crap person to begin with and you are super greedy and like super scarce, you're going to be that times 20. If you were a really happy, peaceful, generous human, you're going to be that times 20. So it, it shines a light on who you are as a person and how you can develop to be a better version of yourself. I love that. For the last little bit of this podcast, I feel like we should actually talk about YouTube and, uh, (laughs) (laughs) and what you're up to and how you're helping people grow. I definitely want to talk to you about the authority accelerator. That's your bread and butter right now. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, we help people in really two ways, but at the core root of it all, it's very similar what we do. And it's really helping people uncover what's your own hero's journey and how can you use that to teach other people? Um, I think because I was a journalist in the past, I, I know that everybody has a story. I would have to interview the most boring people and I would have to find a story. And so I think I've realized that every single person on the planet has something to teach and everybody has been through something that they can use as a lesson and an experience to share and to impact other people. Um, and so we help people uncover what is their own hero's journey and their experience that they've gone through that, that they can then teach to other people. And we help them package that into an online course that's super highly scalable. Um, and then they market it through vehicles like YouTube and other social media platforms. But we really help people grow an audience um, and we help people monetize their audience. And so we have a program called YouTube for Bosses, which is basically a four-hour crash course on dominating YouTube. Um, And then we have the Authority Accelerator, which is our elite program. It's a consulting program. It's application only. And it helps you basically identify what you're really good at, where there's a need in the market, and how to create a course that's going to be scalable. Amazing. And who's your ideal person that you think is ready to come to you to do the work? Um, I think it's somebody who has experience that they can leverage into a lesson. 
And so we were, it's, it's actually wild when you look at our case studies, it's really just anybody who has experience um, and can teach. And so we have a woman who um, had a dance studio for 14 years in New York and she taught adults how to dance at clubs. So specific. And come on. I swear to God. <laughs> and she joined our program when COVID hit because she had to shut down her studio after 14 years. She had to bring her business online. And in five and a half months, she's generated $50,000 with her program. Um, and she's helping men specifically all over the world learn how to dance for the first time. Um, isn't that Amazing. crazy? Yeah. I'm so, like, I, I want to do your class. <laughs> yeah. We have a feng shui expert who helps you like create peace in your home. We have a relationship expert who helps um, men who are on the brink of divorce save their marriages. Um, we have accountants. We have lawyers, doctors, like everything you can think of. I believe everybody has something to teach. So it really is a matter of somebody coming in and, and having an expertise or an experience that they're able to teach others and we help you package it and scale it. That's so cool. So let's say, okay, so I'll just tell you what I want my course to be on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Please do. I'm waiting I, for this. I know. Well, because before I was like, I don't want to talk about social media. Yeah, I really don't. I don't think the world needs more people to like talk about social media or like how to grow your followers or like how to be authentic or like how to travel the world for free. I would like see those and I'd be like, oh. yeah, I'm thinking my zone of genius is how to get people to start building their brands. Love it. But the structure of building a brand, not like get your logo, pick your colors, do your font. Let's actually dive into branding. Like who you are. Who yeah. you are and why you exist and figuring out your purpose and actually having people structure that out because so many people now are thinking like, okay, I want to build a brand, but I don't have 30 grand to go to an agency to do it. Yeah, totally. So how can I help people with the groundwork of like setting some foundation? Yeah. So let's say that's the course I want to build. That is the course that I'd like to build. Okay. <laughs> When I'm in your program, am I using YouTube to like make short videos of me speaking, dropping knowledge, and then people see that and then they come back to me to say, oh, she has a course? Somewhat, but okay. we actually don't even touch YouTube until phase three of the program. So it's broken into oh, four phases. Um, and we actually get you to sell your program without YouTube in the first run of it. Um, and so we call it a pop, which is a profitable offer prototype. And we take a prototype approach to everything that you do with, and how we work with clients, because that's a really good idea. But basically, if you're listening I was like, and you take it, I'm going to be so fucking mad. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing. Here's the thing is that it's a good idea and I like it, but I think it's not I aligned enough with you. Okay. And this so is great. what I, and I was like, as soon as you said it, I literally almost wanted to coach you. And I'm like, nope, nope. <laughs> um, Cause it's a whole rabbit hole, but and I'll gladly do it later, but your listeners would be like, I'm bored. Um, but I think the thing to understand is that, like I said, your niche and ultimately what your course is about, it's not really about tactics because you've seen this and I've seen this. There's a million and one online courses out there that are like, do this, do this, do this. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to pay for that, but you can get it for free. People mm. pay for transformation. They don't pay for information. And so you have to figure out what's the actual deep rooted transformation people are looking for when they build a brand. Why would they want to build a brand? Like what is, what is it that they're trying to do by building that brand? And that's what you build out. So you figure out, okay, what's my own experience in my story? Why did I build my own brand? Why do I love helping other people build their brands? Um, What's currently on the market? Are there other courses out there, workshops, conferences, influencers, blogs, et cetera, about this mm -hmm. topic? I want to know everything that's out there to fill the gap and we help you do that. And then finally, I want, to, I want you to speak to real people. So I would get you to speak to real human beings who are looking to do this and figure out what keeps them up at night and what are they really struggling with and what are the things they're truly trying to achieve by building a brand? What is it that they feel like they haven't been able to nail down or what they've been missing from other things that have tried to teach them this? Um, and that's ultimately where the actual course comes from. It comes from those three so cool. factors and combining them. That's amazing. And this is by application only. It is by application only. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We have a very protected community inside of the program to make sure that everybody's like-minded. And the cool thing is that we've been doing this now for over a year. And like, we have clients who came in from zero and they're now at six figures a month. Um, I'm applying. I'm sick of this. It's time to start making money. <laughs> 
I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I know you can do really well with this. Like I'm pumped. I know you're going to crush it. And I, that's the thing is like, I want to just shout it from the rooftops. We actually had a training last night and it was our biggest training ever. We had like a couple hundred people try and reserve spots to apply for the program. Um, because it just works. Like it works, it's simple and it's the most lean approach to building an online business. Amazing. I actually have another friend that I referred to and I think she's going to do it by the way. She's going to apply anyways. Okay. Last thing, three marriages of living a happy life. Ooh. Okay. So (laughs) I just talked about this recently because I just got married, um, which is such a trip, but (laughs) I think I read a book actually, um, long, long time ago called The Three Marriages. And it's a great book. And it's kind of where this came from. But I think I didn't realize I was living it or maybe I wasn't living it until I actually got married. So the day of um, my wedding, I completely checked out of everything. I told my team, I'm like, I'm offline. I'm, you know, I'm going to take this week to really be present. Um, And it all culminated into like this really special day because I think I envisioned my wedding day, like maybe I'd wake up and be like nervous or I don't know. My whole life, you just sort of have an idea of what it's going to be. But I think the three marriages for me came through that day of like, I married myself. I married myself before I ever married anybody else. And I had to go through the process of not knowing myself and beating myself up and burning out and doing the therapy and doing the work to figure out who I was and really fall in love with myself and be okay with being alone. So I think that's one marriage is you really have to marry yourself. And then I'm like, spiritually, emotionally, et cetera. And then marrying your work. Um, I married my business before I married anybody else. <laughs> and including yourself, <laughs> including <laughs> my business came first, married the business first. And so glad I did, even though it was kind of a crazy path the first like little while and it was hard and I ended up burning out. I learned so much. And I think that was the vehicle to really marrying myself. So I think marrying my business and fully committing to it there's so much bullshit out there for particularly women um, mm-hmm. about needing to fit a certain mold, get married by a certain age, which sounds fucking archaic when you talk about it. Have now. babies. Like, we're, we're in 2020. And I'm like, sorry. I remember hitting 30 and being like, I missed the memo. Like, <laughs> I did not realize that I was supposed to get married and have a kid right now. Mm-hmm. Um And so my business came first. I was never one of those people that was like, marriage is the be all end all. So married my business, married myself, and then married my partner. And I really don't think that I could have been in a place to be in this marriage and have such a beautiful relationship with my husband if I hadn't gone through those other two marriages. And I think having those three and being so clear on them at this point in my life, they are my top three priorities. And I make sure every day that I'm balancing the three of them and I'm letting them ebb and flow. And something that I learned from the book, which really helped me in not trying to be such a perfectionist is that there's going to be seasons. And in some seasons, your relationships are going to come first and everything else takes a backseat. In some seasons, your business is going to come first and everything else kind of has to take a backseat for a minute. You're still doing them, but you're not doing them hundred percent. And then some seasons yourself has to come first. You, your health, your sanity has to come first and everything else has to take a backseat. So it's not about like a perfect 50-50 balance. It's about like ebbing and flowing between all those things. I love that. It gives me such hope. I feel like I'm on Tinder on all three of mine still. (laughs) (laughs) So good. (laughs) You're like talking, I'm just like, oh God. (laughs) If you really want to get into it, I could tell you about when I was in my dating phase for years. I was Uh, like, oh Lord. You know what? I'm getting, I'm getting better. I'm, I'm more so putting most of my effort right now on the, on the me stuff, doing a lot of shadow work, doing a lot of like inner healing. And I'm just like, that's a beast. That's all I kind of have the capacity for right now. Yeah. You're marrying yourself. Okay. You're marrying yourself and that's all you can do. And I think, I know this is going to sound funny, but like when I look back on my path to meeting my husband, I kind of approached it as an entrepreneur. Like when I really was like, okay, I think I'm ready. Like I, it was going not- fishing for a lead. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> I, I don't think they're that different. I remember having this conversation with a girlfriend of mine and she was the one who gave me this advice when I was single. She was like, it's a numbers game. And I was like, pardon? Because I think so many people get so precious about dating. They're like, I don't want to go on a date with this person. Look at their profile. Da, 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 da. And I actually never did like Tinder or anything like that. Cause it was kind of before. It must be nice. 
I know <laughs> I did Bumble, but nothing super successful. Um, but I think we're so quick to judge. And I think it's like really easy to get really precious about dating and being like, well, I'm not going to give that person my time or I'm not going to give that person my time. But I think there's so much value in meeting real human beings and actually having mm-hmm. conversations with them and going on a ton of dates. You don't have to see them for a second date. You don't need to kiss them, but just meet people because the more people that you meet, the more you truly understand. What We're you- in the middle of a pandemic. What, what do you, you expect me to do? Do this. <laughs> if I, okay, I'm just saying, if I was single right now, and I know everybody's like, yes, okay. Coming for the married lady. girl, we don't yeah. care. <laughs> we don't care. Shut your mouth. I'm just saying, if I was single right now and I really want to be in a relationship, I would be having as many Zoom conversations as possible because I actually see that to be a huge benefit. Then there's no like physical pressure. Of, like, I got it. We yeah. go back on chat roulette. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. Next hotness, chat roulette. Watch I've actually happen. never been on that. Me either. That's so never funny. Very oh minimalistic. Gosh. But yeah, it is, it's a numbers game. You have to talk to real human beings and figure out what you do want and what you don't want. And the worst dates in the world are just as valuable as the good dates. <laughs> so there you totally. go. That's so funny. Yeah. Okay, Sunny, that was a jam-packed hour. It was. I feel like we really jumped all over the place. But I like it, though. I liked it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? We got to keep the people on their toes. They came Absolutely. here thinking about they're going to leave this hour of like how they're going to grow to 100,000 100, on YouTube. And I'm yeah. like, no, you just got to apply for Sunny's course. <laughs> I mean, what I can do is we I actually like do and have, subscribe. We do actually have a guide on that. So I'll put a link where you I'll give you the link for that. We have a guide on how to grow to hundred thousand subscribers in less than a year. So yeah. And I highly recommend you actually, if you haven't connected with Sunny yet, check out our website. Um, let people know how you can connect with them, but she is like putting out her YouTube channel alone. is just like video after video after video of like so many important tools that you guys can get caught up with. So Thank what's you. the best way for people to connect with you? Yeah. So YouTube, um, youtube.com slash Sunny Leonard Easy. And then everything else is just my name. So website is sunnyleonardeasy.com and uh, Instagram. I'm decently active on stories there. Don't post a lot, but active on stories every day. Um, Sunny Leonard Easy. And then our programs are Authority Accelerator and YouTube for Bosses. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Unfiltered with Allie. Just a friendly reminder that I have two episodes that drop every single week for you on Tuesdays and on Fridays. And if you like what you heard, please be sure to subscribe. And of course, leave me a review. I love hearing what you guys think of the episodes. Lastly, be sure to connect with me over on Instagram at at unfiltered with Allie. You'll be able to access a ton of extra content from each of the episodes. Slide into my DMs and... You can find the link for my free online community. This is designed for inspiring, badass women all around the world. I can't wait to chat with you next week. See you then.